Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Locked on Seahawks podcast. You are with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. This is the victory recap episode. The Seattle Seahawks beat the San Francisco 49ers by a score of 43-16. to uh, Just a, a really good game for the Seahawks in a lot of phases. Uh, some phases not so good. But uh, we're going to get into all of that and more uh, in deeper to the show. But before we do all that, we'll do a quick intro i am grant goldberg i co-host this locked on seahawks podcast and do social media and graphic design work for sb nation's lakers site spike is a writer with a stranger and i have to give him credit although i'm going to take some of the credit for him correctly predicting the michael dixon uh forced fumble uh, muff punt against the 49ers i kind of forced him into that prediction but nonetheless he predicted it spike how you doing after that? You're starting to go on another hot streak. Yeah. You know, when it comes to Michael Dixon, you can never be too hot. No, he was due. We were due for it, and then we got it, and it was spectacular, and Nico Thorpe recovered it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't deal with those Dixon side spinners. It's just not possible. He's, you know, he's punting on another level. He's inventing new levels to punt at. Uh, so that's pretty thrilling. Uh, it was just fun to watch. I mean, the game wasn't the most thrilling of Seahawks games, but it was kind of nice. I feel like we've had too many dramatic games this year. We couldn't even blow out the Cardinals. So it was nice to get a relatively easy win at home. Obviously, there were aspects of it that were less easy. But uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to start offense or defense? Um, we'll, we'll we'll start the show off on a, on a more positive note, I think. So we'll start talking about the offense. Um, yeah. An offense that I think is almost, you know, they went from scoring on their first drive for like four consecutive weeks or five consecutive weeks to going three and out like regularly scheduled uh, in the next few games and especially against this 49ers defense that is not good. Uh, we saw that they are very not good um, throughout the whole game. Russell Wilson had one of the most efficient games of his career by far. Um and he threw four touchdowns on less than 20 attempts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 17 attempts. Yeah, so 17 attempts he scored four touchdowns on. I think, I, I don't know, It's it wasn't very hard for Russell Wilson all game. Um, a, lot of, a lot of his throws were kind of layups. Uh, the 49ers are a Swiss cheese defense. I, I don't know where to start with that, really. I mean, Richard Sherman wasn't really a factor in the game. Doug Baldwin got... Uh, a play on him where he broke a tackle, then proceeded to get a 21-yard first down. Uh, it, it was just a, it was a good game from the offense. Uh, not, I mean, I guess Russell Wilson's efficiency is probably the benchmark of the day. Uh, Spike, what did you see in particular from the Seahawks' offense against this Niners' defense? Yeah, it was nice to see a bunch of different receivers get involved, uh, and it was fun to watch the Seahawks sort of toy with Sherman. At one point, they split George Fant out wide in motion and left Richard Sherman guarding a left tackle one-on-one on the sideline, which, you know, that's a, that's if the 49ers have one above-average piece on defense, and that might be a little harsh to some of their guys on the defensive line, but it really does feel like they have one truly above-average piece. Being able to get him to neutralize a tackle in the passing game is pretty ideal. Obviously, coming out of this, there are a couple concerns. Chris Carson injured again, this time a dislocated finger. He should be able to play through that, which is good, because he looked phenomenal again on Sunday. Penny had some good moments, but 
Carson is just such a physical runner in traffic. His yards after contact are ludicrously high. Uh, and you can just see it again and again, dragging defenders along. And up against a really, really physical Minnesota defensive line next week, I think that he is a full step above in terms of what the Seahawks need next week. Obviously, the biggest injury is a hamstring injury for DJ Fluker that is some degree of significant, whether that's a season ender or whether that's going to put him out for three weeks. You know, that that's yet to be seen. But either way, not having DJ Fluker is a problem. DJ Fluker has been excellent this year at guard. Ethan Posick hasn't even been making the starting roster or the active roster, leaving Jordan Simmons and Joey Hunt as the backups at guard, which, yikes, yikes. Uh, especially against a Vikings defensive line in the future, which is very good. And we saw immediately that San Francisco was able to get guys home on Wilson basically the second Fluker went out of the game. Uh, There were a bunch of weird holding penalties on the offensive line this game. A lot of them were pretty soft. A lot of them came down to basically us over-dominating plays rather than the out-of-position grasping that we were used to in the Tom Cable era. That was still a little disappointing. Those are mistakes we're not going to be able to make against Minnesota and get away with them. Uh, But, you know, I mean, there was a lot to like. Jerron Brown popping up for big catches, Tyler Lockett popping up for big catches, and just Russ looking in relative command of the offense. 11 for 17, I believe, is, like, fine. It's fine, but, I mean, he's just hitting big. It was a throwback Russell Wilson performance in that way where you're leaning on explosives, uh, and it was fun to watch. Uh, I, You know, again, hats off to Brian Schottenheimer for not falling for the oldest gambit in the book and throwing to Richard Sherman more than once. One easy completion, great. Take it, get out of there, get the W, go home. Yeah, um, and, and and the best thing I think that involved Richard Sherman uh, on Sunday didn't even involve Richard Sherman. It was the reenactment of the tip play uh, yeah. that sent the Seahawks to the Super Bowl. Uh, once again, fantastic work by the Seahawks wide receivers. Uh, David Moore was caught practicing the Macarena on the sidelines, and sure enough, they did that when they scored another touchdown. But I think... You know, when it comes to the Carson and and Penny running back group, Carson's floor is definitely it's significantly higher than Penny at least right now. Obviously, Penny's the first round draft pick. He has the you know speed at the next level. He has you know really good cutback ability. But just yet, yeah, I think what makes Carson's floor significantly higher than Penny's is the physicality when he runs the ball. And I, I guess a little more consistency. And so, yeah, having him healthy against the Vikings would be huge. Um, I do trust Penny to perform. I don't know if uh, we're going to see that many, you know, giant holes to run through that he ran through against the 49ers. But, uh, yeah, dealing with the Vikings front seven with uh, Jordan Simmons or Ethan Postig is not a matchup that I envision that I'm going to enjoy next Monday night, but, you know, staying present, I think, you know, is still a good game, and, and when you have Mike Solari, you have a, a chance at a good offensive line. That's what everybody always says, right? But Yeah, 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 yeah. Certainly Giants fans agree that Mike Solari can never give you a bad offensive line. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, Russ is going to have to dominate next week. Like, what he did this week, he never really had to get out of third gear. 
Like, he never had to really do much because when dude got open, they were open. We saw pinpoint accuracy in a couple games earlier this year against Green Bay, against Carolina, against Los Angeles. He's going to need to be that Russell Wilson next week if we're going to win this crucial game against Minnesota that would essentially lock up a playoff spot. Yeah, yeah, we're going to need a, a great Russell Wilson performance. We're going to need a, a, a lot better performance from our defense. And that's what we're going to talk about right out of this break. So stay tuned for more Locked On Seahawks on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we are back with the next portion of today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks Podcast. You are still with Grant Goldberg and Spike Friedman. And the defense left a lot to be desired against the 49ers. As good as the offense was in a lot of the parts of the game, the defense did not really perform well, especially in the second half. Uh, they let Nick Mullins basically get a lot of what he wanted, and a lot was left to be desired, like I said. Uh, Spike, you, know, you I, I think, feel stronger than me about this defense performance and and have reason for us to worry going into this game against the Vikings. Yeah, I'm troubled by Nick Mullins putting up 400-plus yards against our secondary. I'm troubled by bad tackling, bad pursuit by Shaq Griffin, Bradley McDougal making errors, Trey Flowers missing a tackle, Tedrick Thompson being, again, very uneven. He's hitting hard and popping balls out, but he's also getting beat a lot. It's just not good. I mean, Dante Pettis looked like an all-pro receiver against us. And Dante Pettis is a great athlete, great Husky, but he's solid. He's not an all-pro. And next week we're going up against a couple all-pros, or at least guys of that caliber, and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. And we're going up against a quarterback in Kirk Cousins who's been playing really, really well this year, a lot better than Nick Mullins has. So this level of defensive performance, which has been haunting us since Earl Thomas has been hurt, where we just give up explosive passing plays over and over again, especially when teams really need it. We can't do that. It's bad. It's not It's not good. And uh, it really keeps a ceiling on what this Seahawks team, which has otherwise been pretty spectacular in terms of overperforming expectations, the underperformance in pass defense is crucial. And it comes down, it's the secondary, it's also the pass rush. The pass rush on Sunday was fine. It was fine, but a lot of that came from dialing up blitzes. The biggest sacks of the game came from Wagner, came from Justin Coleman. And so the front four is still struggling to get pressure. It's two sort of bad weeks in a row from Frank Clark. Jaron Reed looks excellent. You know, love love me some Jaron Reed. Huda Ford looked great defending the run. You know, there, there was a lot to like, especially in terms of run defense, which is great. But, man... Man, that pastor's just ain't getting there. Deion Jordan looks out of sorts. Again, Frank Clark, what are you doing? You want $20 million a year? Play better? Play better? Uh, you know, so those are all problems. That said, you know who's really great? All of our linebackers. Marquevious Mingo had a solid game. Austin Calitro put out of his mind. Bobby Wagner had maybe the greatest game in franchise history in any position. <laughs> you know, so there, and we have Michael Kendricks coming back next week. So the middle of the defense is great. And against some teams, that's going to be plenty against a Minnesota team that doesn't really run the ball well, but does have incredible wideout weapons. Man, it could be a long day on Monday for this defense. I'd actually be surprised if Minnesota put up less than 25, 30 points on us. So we're going to have to really ball out to keep up with that. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be especially tough for the secondary going up against the All Pros. But I do think having Bobby Wagner, having uh, Michael Kendricks, not only you know helps a lot in the run game and and really not making sure. Well, really making sure that the Vikings' run game doesn't have, you know, an out-of-sorts good game. That's going to be bigger. Um, Michael Kendrick is going to help a lot with that. But even Bobby Wagner on Kyle Rudolph in the passing game, too, helps a ton. Um, but, yeah, really the emphasis is on the pass rush getting home. Uh, really some, I, I mean, judging against the earlier part in the season, really some uncharacteristic, I can't speak right now, uncharacteristically bad games from frank clark uh and it's and it's been a string of games and it's a little concerning uh and like you said finished man he's whipping guys off the yeah. line he's just not finishing plays yeah and that and that's shown in you know the lack of getting to the quarterback the lack of finishing tackles uh which is concerning yeah. um you have Dion jordan who's you know inactive one week active the other in the next and you know there's no sort of consistency there but the middle the only of time the defensive I see line him is when he's running on the field, rotating defensive linemen and getting into position late. I feel like I'm never seeing him hitting the quarterback. Yeah, it's it's an issue, and you know there was one of the biggest concerns going into the season, um, and you know compared to other concerns that they had, maybe the wide receivers, uh, consistent play out of the running back room, um, they're not concerns anymore. This is like the the yeah. one concern that just remain from the preseason that's still you know nagging and late in late in this NFL season and it's, it's concerning especially against a, a team like the Vikings who you know if given time Kirk Cousins can shred you up we saw even yeah. last year when he was with Washington um he got enough time at the end of the game and he ended up beating the Seahawks um just I I'm concerned I mean there's an obvious I mean not very obvious regression from Shaq Griffin but he is forced to play the team's number one wide receiver, which is, you know, giving him a lot of opportunities to go up against great competition, but we're seeing some of his flaws. Trey Flowers looks good. He had a bad game last week. Uh, I, I just, I'm trying to... I mean, he, he's been, he's missed a couple tackles the last two weeks. His coverage has still been yeah. really spectacular, given that he's a fifth-round conversion project. He's been spectacular. Given that he's a CB2 on a team, he's been excellent. Given that we need him to potentially shut down Stephon Diggs next week, he's been maybe not quite good enough to do that, especially given that he's been missing some tackles and those yak. Like, we can't afford the yak next week. There's too much yak this week. And Justin Coleman, notorious for missing tackles and giving up some yak. So there, there's areas of concern. Yeah. Um, and, and again, Bobby Wagner should help a little bit with those crossing routes two that they have Diggs and Thielen and, and Rudolph on, but it's it's going to be a tough matchup. And I think, again, you know, the, the lasting theme, I think, for this game is that a lot of it is going to have to fall on Russell Wilson's shoulders, and he's going to have to kind of carry the Seahawks in this game. Uh, and it's going to be a tough task uh, for the team on both sides of the ball. Uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully they you know are healthy going into this game. There's nothing that comes up in practice, but uh, yeah, there's definitely areas of concern. I still feel pretty confident in this team, uh, but they're gonna have to score points, and uh, it's it's gonna be well, a I very think... oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, I think in addition to scoring points, something this 49ers Seahawks game was a blowout, and it was a blowout because of turnovers, and. Obviously, one of those is a Michael Dixon turnover, 
But the other two, the forcing the fumble and the picking off, you know, a, a pick six from Bobby Wagner, I think that that is what the Seahawks still can do. They forced so many fumbles against Carolina and couldn't get them, but they've been very opportunistic. They've been very good at turning the ball over. We all know Kirk Cousins in primetime is due for, like, two bad throws. If the Seahawks catch those, if the Seahawks turn Kirk Cousins' mistakes into turnovers, I think we're going to be fine because I don't think Russ is going to turn the ball over at the rate that Kirk will in terms of at least creating turnover opportunities for the other team. That is, I mean, again, Bobby Wagner played out of his mind. Sack, force, fumble, fumble recovery, pick six. Are you kidding me? You know, and so a lot of guys on this defense right now are making big plays. We're doing that Bemba don't break thing. You know, there's a lot to like, but there's also, yikes, these explosives. Yikes, these explosives. We're just like used to. I'm just like, oh, what is happening? And it is, it's it's not having Earl. It's not having Richard. You know, we just got to get used to a new way of living. And it means that we cannot miss opportunities to turn over Minnesota because those turnovers, I mean, we out turned over the 49ers this week, three, nothing. You know, if that goes the other way, this is a nail biter. So, you know, let's turn, let's turn them over. Let's give them turns. Let's give them TOs. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And, and one thing before we go into the next segment where we give out game balls, we talk a little bit more about Michael Dixon. Um, I think, you know, even with an extra day for them to prepare, going from I mean, going to Foxborough uh, against the Patriots and then going to Seattle uh, playing in primetime, that's no easy thing. I, I, I mean, I think it bears just a little bit of consideration what traveling yeah, you have to no, do. Yeah, absolutely. But, absolutely, uh, this being a home game is amazing. And yeah. Russell Wilson in primetime versus Kirk Cousins in primetime. I mean, talking about two guys who just one steps his game up every time, the other steps his game down almost every time. There's a lot to be hopeful about, but man on paper, there's some matchups in this game that are utterly terrifying. Yeah, yeah. we uh, we I And mean, we had some of the same worries um, against the Carolina Panthers uh, and the Seahawks, you know, pulled through it was a nail better of course but and i think you know we're going to see a similar fashion of game against the vikings but you know we have uh we have some strong foundations to lean upon in russell wilson and bobby wagner on both sides of and the michael ball. dixon and michael, and michael dixon, dixon on the third side yeah. of the ball uh, <laughs> but but uh you know i think i think you know what we've been saying when you have russell wilson you have that chance and i think it's even more than that you know the Seahawks obviously have a chance in this game but with Russell Wilson in primetime with Bobby Wagner uh, I, I think I think the stage is set for a good game but I think the Seahawks can uh can pull that one out and we've totally hijacked this recap episode into a, a sort of uh preview episode for Monday Night Football but uh you know I think we've seen ga- things in this game that you know present worries present a conversation to be had about this upcoming game since it's such a big game for the Seahawks playoff hopes and that the Vikings are a clear step ahead in competition than the 49ers (laughs) yeah a little bit a little bit better uh yeah no but I I mean I again you can't say enough about this line Uh, we we should also highlight actually you know what I'm gonna save it I'm gonna save it for the game balls I've got a great defensive game ball that is not Bobby Wagner so stay tuned because we're going to be back right after this on the Locked On Seahawks podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we are back with the final portion of today's episode of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. You're still with Grant and Spike. 
and we'll talk a little bit more about Michael Dixon, the NFL's leading punter in net average, if I'm not mistaken. I uh, so, yeah. yeah, he's just he's pretty jacked too. That's something I've noticed like in pictures of him. <laughs> like this is where we've gotten in the conversations about Michael Dixon yeah. because we talked yeah. so much about his actual punting that we need to sh- kind of shift it. And he you no know, John Ryan was pretty jacked, but yeah. Michael Dixon, he's he's in good shape and you know this is this is not what we usually talk about, but you know in terms of like if he wasn't to get into a fight with another punter, like he has that Australia like backstory too. It's like I don't yep. know, man. I think I'm I'm picking Michael Dixon against the against the field. Well, Lord knows, you know, he's the sort of guy who, you know, knifey spoony, classic, you know, is this a knife? Is that a knife? Crocodile Dundee situation with knives. So you know Michael Dixon is covered in knives at any given moment. So that's a huge advantage for him in any fight. Uh, I mean, look, Dixon is phenomenal. Uh, and, you know, credit to Sebastian Janikowski in this game. Missing two extra points so he could get Scorigami. Seahawks, nine seasons in a row with Scorigami. Every year under Pete Carroll. That's a unique score in the history of the NFL. The Seahawks are not just having nine years in a row under Pete Carroll. They are 9-0 and in those games. That is astonishing, astounding. There's, there's just not enough you can say about the Seahawks Scorigami situation. Sebastian Janikowski really stepping up. Make sure it happens a ninth season in a row. So much credit to Seabass. So much credit to this team for pulling this off. So, you know, nothing but respect for my president, Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah, no, and, and nobody loves Scorigami more than Pete Carroll. And so, I know he was so stoked in the press conference. I loved it. It, it's it's sure as anything that he's going to mention the Scorigami at least once. And... There's someone, yeah, someone brought it up to him in the press conference. He's like, really? Oh, that's so cool. I love that so much. I was like, I love you, Pete Carroll. I love you. Yeah, and and the thing was too, it's uh, there was like a four point six chance, a four percent, four point six percent chance that it was going to be Scorigami. And so Sebastian Janikowski, uh, at halftime, sorry, I should have mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski probably saw that. He was probably surfing Twitter during halftime, as kickers do. And he was like, you know what? It's time to put the team on my back. It's time to make my coach happy, secure some uh, some more years kicking the ball in Seattle. So now I wouldn't be surprised if this resulted in a contract extension for Seabass. You know, you never think that with a kicker missing extra points that he'll secure another contract. But, you know, I think, I think this was some Lex next level, uh, bargaining from negotiating from Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent work. Excellent work from Seabass. All right, let's talk game balls. Let's drop some game balls on this game. I'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball and I'm going to go with Austin Calitro who just absolutely balled out on Sunday, was all over the place. You know, he's probably going to get fewer snaps going forward because of the return of Michael Kendricks, but he had his best game of the season against San Francisco. Again, just all over the place, dealing with George Kittle, who was effective but was not the dominant force he could have been for the 49ers. Obviously, Dante Pettis ended up being that guy for Nick Mullins. So a lot of credit to Calitro. Also did a ton to clean up in the run game. You know, just nothing but respect for Austin Calitro's performance this week. Yeah, he was definitely impressive. Popped 
on some of the film uh, during the game. I'm going to give a similar game ball to Ken Norton Jr. And just off the strength of him headbutting at Austin Calitro to celebrate oh, while yeah. Calitro had his helmet on, just a clear power move. Uh, definitely a show of strength from Ken Norton. Probably needed to reaffirm his position as top dog in that in that defense, uh, being the defensive coordinator, he has to set the example in, in toughness and grittiness, and I think he effectively did that when he headbutted a player with his helmet still on. And Puda Ford would have been a good candidate too. Um, he was great in the run game. He rushed the passer a little bit, and is what it's what you want to see out of rotation a rotational defensive lineman. He started the game actually, so I, I think the biggest thing in our defensive game balls is. Uh, the Seahawks having a little bit of depth, actually, uh, in the linebacker group that's especially important in the defensive line, uh, having the ability to rotate kind of uh, Jerron Reed, um, Nas Jones, Puna Ford, Shamar Stefan. I think the depth is good, especially trying to make a playoff run. That's what you need. That's what you need in a lot of these high leverage games. And I think that's going to come up big, especially next week against the Vikings. But we will talk about the offensive game ball. Spike, who you got? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jerron Brown for catching a pass that wasn't a touchdown this week for maybe the first time in the Seahawks' career. Uh, also, he's popping up in the end zone over and over again. It's sort of miraculous. He's invisible, and then he's scoring touchdowns. So, you know, I love it. Uh, he's a weird sort of third, fourth option for this team. I don't quite understand why Malik Turner is getting the run that he is. But, hey, you know, Jerron Brown, excellent so far. Uh, in terms of just scoring the ball, putting the ball in the end zone. So, hey, Drum Brown, Mazel tov. You got my Hanukkah ball of the week. <laughs> All right. And that's I, that's a new segment that we have. Um, I'm going to I'm going to kind of set a precedent right here. Uh, I'm going to give out a future game ball for next week's game against the Vikings to Jordan Simmons ah. for filling Ooh. in for DJ Fluker, playing so well against – uh, ferocious oh Lions, uh, not Lions, Vikings front seven. And uh, yeah, really impressing us in DJ Fluker's absence. So my future game ball goes to Jordan Simmons for his stellar play in in DJ Fluker's absence. That's what I'm going to do. All right. Respect, respect, respect. Uh, I think that'll do it for this recap that turned into sort of a preview episode of the Locked on Seahawks podcast. We'll be answering whatever questions are in iTunes with a 5-4 or 2-star review. Make it 5 if you can. Uh, tomorrow, probably, we'll be doing that, along with a little bit of other news and updates. We'll have a crossover episode with Locked on Vikings at some point this week. And, uh, you know, we'll just be hitting it hard with some more preview stuff. Obviously, the game's next Monday, so get excited for that. Grant, did I forget anything? No, just uh, always reach out to us on Twitter. We enjoy having oh, some yeah. conversation with you guys. It's our it's our names, our Twitter handles. It's Grant Goldberg, Spike Friedman. The show's Twitter is Locked Seahawks. So, yeah, make sure you take advantage of that, being able to talk to your favorite daily Seahawks podcast hosts. It's, it's us on Twitter. So go ahead, talk to us. And, yeah, I think that does it. So for the Locked on Seahawks podcast, I am Grant Goldberg signing off. And I'm Spike Freeman, also signing off.